Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Fish and Scripts. It's Phil here, joined by Jack at the other end of the line, and we are going to be dabbling with more things loosely to do with web development. I don't know, Jack, it's it's pretty loose this time, isn't it? You called me out a couple of times. Yeah, there's definitely uh, artistic license in this episode to, to sort of go on tangents, but it was fun. It's a That's good one. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, there's no game again this this week. I I I worried that we're going to be hemorrhaging listeners if we don't do a game again soon, because uh, that's what they're here for. But there's other good stuff in here. I mean, we acknowledge the fact there are other podcasts out in the world. You talk about some of your TypeScript shenanigans uh, in a way that I don't. I, again, I'm convinced we'll get letters. Uh, <laughs> there's definitely going to be correspondence. Uh, but there's also uh, talk of how to onboard people into new teams, uh, how different communities. Communities uh, uh, approach uh, their open source libraries, uh, other events out in the world, and also some other nods to classic puns out in the web development sphere. So with all of that said, I think we should step out of the way, let the podcast happen, and we'll see you at the other end of the podcast. Well then, should we go into our catch-up? Let's do it. Should you lead we? the way, Phil. Okay, lead the way. Um, okay, so so let me let me just say this first of all. Um, other podcasts are available. Uh, I don't I don't know if this is the right thing to say right at the top of our show. Uh, the fact that we might be leading people uh, into the arms of another podcast. <laughs> Uh, but there are other podcasts out there, and so I've done a bit of travelling over the last uh, last few weeks. We, I think we keep on coming back to it. Uh, poor, poor me, uh, having to travel around. But one of the things I've done recently is I've been listening to a few other podcasts on the on the road because I work from home now. You know, so my podcast opportunities are they dwindled. I used to I used to listen to podcasts on my on my commute. I don't get the opportunity to do that quite so much, so I have to have to work at it. Um, but there's been a few others that I've been been really enjoying. Um, and some of them are probably more well known than others. I mean, I've been enjoying listening to Adam Buxton's podcast, obviously, uh, because it's amazing. If you haven't encountered Adam Buxton's podcast, I heartily recommend it. Uh, for, for me, he's like the, the gold standard of talking to someone interesting and having a sincere chat and making it fun. Uh, he's kind of amazing. So I've, I've been listening to a bit of that. But I also discovered recently uh, Off Menu podcast. Have you come across this one, Jack? Have you heard this? I have. Uh, I'm not a regular listener, but I have listened to a few of them. Oh well, I I dip in and out, and so this is for people who haven't come across it. This is uh, two uh, English comedians, James A. Castor and Ed Gamble, um, but who seem to share a bit of a love of food. So they uh, they interview someone uh, around the context of it's their dream meal and what do they want to eat, and the conversation usually goes somewhere interesting. And it's just it's really a lot of fun, but it does make me hungry usually. Uh, that's the only problem with that one. So I've been enjoying, <laughs> I've been enjoying listening to that one. But another one that I've really got into um, uh, was uh, uh, something called Blackout, which is n- is not a podcast in the traditional sense. It's a podcast in the radio drama sense. So it's uh, it's like oh. a dramatization uh, of like a post apocalyptic, all oh, the power's gone out, what's going to happen to society thing. Um, and I think it was produced by, but certainly stars uh, Rami Malek of uh, Mr. Robot fame, um, and it's it's really good. It's like a it's a multi part serialization of you know some some drama, and I've I've been rather enjoying that. It's been rather nice. Yeah. Is Rami Malek also the guy who was Freddie Mercury 
in he, he, he was he he was indeed yeah. who um yeah. who he, he scooped the best actor oscar for that which i don't know i think he did a good job but i was a little bit surprised if I if I'm honest, I think I was the only person on the planet who did not like the film Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, other than Brian May, I have a feeling that Brian May loved Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, it had Brian May's sticky fingerprints all over it. Uh, let's talk about how I wrote this song. Hurrah! Um, I don't know. I was a bit opinionated about about that particular movie. But uh, but yes, it's a Roman very British opening to this podcast isn't it lots of british comedians and british films and british references i mean yes i mean it's, it's it. important to bring this our own podcast back to the fact that uh, uh, everything here has to be uh, a british reference right down to the fact that we're we're kind of talking about fish and fish and chips uh, yeah. in our subtly in our in our title um <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to give people the wrong impression that i'm sitting here in my union jack pants um and of course i mean pants in the british sense not in the international sense uh, Jack, I'd, I'd give anything to do this all over again, but uh, but, but I think that ship has sailed. Very sorry, <laughs> but no, Rami Malek isn't English. He's not English, is he? He's a he's a American. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Fair point. James Acaster and Ed Gamble are very much quintessentially English. They very much are. I think yeah, that's true. As is Adam um, Buxton. Yes, yes, um, and, and as is Jake from HCP two hundred three. Yeah, so one half of the other podcast. Uh, yeah, so one the half. other one I've been listening to. Actually, this has been kind of fun. So, I mean, HTTP 203 is way more established, obviously, and has been around for some time and has, has got the, the Google juggernaut behind it to promote it. But uh, it's, I was listening to an episode of 203 uh, recently, and we, we cropped up more than I was expecting. I mean, they were going on about us. It was almost like a, a love letter to us, frankly. They'd completely forgotten about web development. It was, it was all about us. Um, but I, re- I really love the fact that we're starting to pass messages to each other via the medium of podcast. It's like the the least efficient voicemail ever. You know, if we want to, <laughs> if we want to get a message to them, all we do is we say it say it here, then we edit it into uh, somewhere within like a a forty five minute audio file. Hope that they subscribe to it. Hope that they bother to listen to it. Hope that they hear the bit that we're after, and then somehow return the message to us. So, uh, <laughs> so, 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 Jake Summer, if you if if you fancy a drink uh, on, I don't know, how, how far in advance should we do this? Thinking for the latency of this messaging, like six weeks. <laughs> What's the round? Yeah, trip? I think <laughs> sometime in twenty twenty. Yeah, February. Um, we're around. Yeah, February. February. Yeah, that that would be champion. But I, I was actually really enjoying listening to them, and they they've got something that we don't have. Um, and, and that listeners, was, listeners, no. yeah, listeners is one thing. Uh, but uh, they also had uh, the wonderful uh, Mariko as well, listen, listening in on one of their recordings. She was just kind of sat there knitting in the background, and then every and again she would just interject with, "What what are you two talking about?" And she was just like <laughs> cutting them down to size after they go on some rambling. Very much what we need here, uh, just about mm. now. But now I've been yep. I've been yep. really enjoying listening to all of those things and having a big big um, kind of catch up on the podcast world that I've kind of just drifted away from a little bit because I don't have mm. don't have the time. When do you listen to podcasts, Jack? Uh, either commuting or actually when I go running. Oh, so uh, I I used to run with music in. Uh, I'm not a super serious runner, but I do the odd the odd like sort of five ten k and. Mm. Um, but I hated running with music because I could basically figure out, I know the average length of the music track. So if I know 
how many tracks I've listened to. I know roughly how far I've gone and how far I have to go. I see. And that's when I start sort of just, uh, that's not, I can't run knowing how far I've got left. I just need to keep running. And so podcasts are much better for that because I can lose track of, of time. If that makes uh, sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the only, actually there's only normally one po- podcast I religiously listen to, which is a, a football based one. Um, oh, really? And of course, HTTP 203 and this one on repeat. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so so running actually is a, is a prime source for, for time to listen to podcasts. This is a tough problem, but my commute isn't super long. So I, I often can't listen to a full podcast, which I appreciate is a, a good problem to have. Yeah, didums. Um, yeah, exactly. Tough. But but sometimes it's nice to just get out and listen to a whole podcast. Uh, you, you also had listed here, you had Case File, the true crime one. Oh, which yeah. I just listened to one episode of for the very first time this week mm. uh, and really enjoyed. I like that. However, I was so I listened to it on the way home and mm. I got home uh, sort of midway through this quite. So case file is true crime. Sort of, yeah. So they, they taught me through a, a true crime story and I, I got home 6 p.m. flat, empty, completely dark. Did have to stop listening. A bit jittery. <laughs> having just heard about the, you know, this this man breaking into houses and yeah. And doing horrible things and then getting back to an empty flat, headphones in, completely dark. Yeah, it gave me a little bit, got me a little bit jittery oh, on the way home. So I might like to watch my consumption of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. Exactly. Case files are a, an interesting one because I, I think they're always, um, they're interesting um, kind of historical crimes on there. Um, and they're it's kind of well researched and well well told. But the thing, the thing that uh, that catches me out a little bit is that there's there's very often not a, an obvious transition from the content through to the ad reads that they do. Yeah. So there's um there's, I think it's voiced by an Australian guy whose name whose name I'm sorry I I don't recall. But he'll be talking about uh, a brutal murder and there was blood caked over the walls and if you want the comfiest sheets to sleep in at night and it just kind of goes into like a luxury luxury bedding company ad read right off the back of hang on is this part of the is this part of a brutal murder or is this is this home furnishings now so you have to have your wits about you because uh, otherwise you'd be terrified of going into habitat or, or where have you um, so uh, so when when the when it finally happens for us jack and the and the sponsorships come flooding in we'll have to make sure that we uh, we we set a clear delineation uh, good segues needed yeah, yeah exactly exactly so uh, i don't know learning always learning always learning i just think the listeners should be glad that uh, it, it was you who attempted the Australian accent then and not me because that could have gone much worse if, uh, yeah. if it had been me trying it. Well, and bless uh, you for being so kind as to, to acknowledge that it happened at all and uh, not yeah, asking if yeah. I was trying to speak Taking Dutch. eight episodes to do a dodgy accent, but we've got there. Might not be the last. Yeah, so so it's good. We're, we'll we'll offend different countries one at a time. Uh, that's <laughs> we, yeah. But don't worry, we'll get around right. everyone. So it's not we're not being racist. Where we'll be even-handed <laughs> with our with our terrible accents and co- cover everybody. Um, help, help me, Jack. Help me. Should we move on, back. Phil? Please, I think we uh, should move on. I'll, for, for the love of God, let's move on. What, what, have <laughs> so, you, what else have you been up to? So I um sorry to sort of rain on the podcast parade, but I was under the impression this was a a podcast about front end web development. So my topic was more sort of um that. Whatever. If I dare, yeah. if I dare, yeah, whatever, whatever I'm over, it doesn't matter. Um, and so I, <laughs> a friend of myself been working on a side project for a while, kind of something just um, sort of alongside work. And 
started maybe eight, ten months ago. We work on it in fits and starts. And about ten months ago, I was like, we're going to go all in on TypeScript. I've never done that before. I just wanted mm. to like go all in on TypeScript, see what happens. And most people online and a lot of companies have gone talks about how TypeScript has found X, Y bugs and has, has saved them a bunch of time. I generally am a fan of, of typed languages. I, I like them. Um, but came to work on this project a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and maybe I should say this a bit different because this because we're doing this alongside work, what normally happens is we don't touch it for like two months and have a weekend where we do a bunch of work on it and then don't touch it for months again. So that probably is playing some effect here. Like I'm not deep in the code base every day. But just found that TypeScript was really causing us a lot of problems that I, I didn't expect. Oh. Um, and when I say problems, I think like if you just write a file of, of TypeScript, I think it's great. Love it. I'm I'm all I'm here for that. But we found the interaction between your TypeScript code and say some third party React component was really, really awkward. And you'd get these random type issues uh, that were like sort of three levels deep. They're like your code consuming a React component that's consuming some other some other node module that it sort of installed for you. Mm-hmm. And you'd end up in a situation where you just get these very odd TypeScript errors saying some random property isn't being passed to this random component where neither the property or the component is something that you think you should be in, in control of. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you end up, for me, in a situation where the TypeScript definition is actually incorrect and you are passing the right stuff and you run it in the browser and it is working and it's all good and you have to sort of force the compiler to, to accept that or just tell the compiler to not care and ignore it, mm-hmm. uh, at which point you're kind of defeating the object. This was this was quite surprising to me. It generally, I, I remember losing maybe three or four hours trying to figure out a TypeScript thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm just ditching this. Um, huh. Huh. And so that I kind of feel like I'm going against most of the sort of wisdom of the crowd from from what I see on, on the internet and from right. talks and, and Twitter. And so I, I would love to hear from anyone who has sort of used TypeScript successfully in a sort of larger React project. We had like Apollo and GraphQL going on. And some bits really cool. We were generating TypeScript definitions from our GraphQL schema. So yep. the front end and the API responses sort of had type checking. They were kept in sync. There's a yep. lot of really cool stuff there. Yep. But just sort of day to day, it just felt like it would lose us some time on this weird TypeScript error that was very hard to, to debug. Do, um, do you think that it's the kind of thing that um, were you to invest like some more time and get over the hump of it, then you'd end up going much much faster or do you think it actually is a, a deeper problem that when you're starting to combine lots of different components and lots of libraries from elsewhere and what have you just maybe in larger projects that there's more to think about than than maybe we we assess at the at the outset i think it's more likely to be the latter although yeah. i definitely think part of it is probably me not being super familiar with, right. with maybe typescript and some of the react stuff we were using um yeah as, as i say if, if i was just writing a plain plain JavaScript project that had no React, no ever, and no anything, just plain JavaScript module, I would definitely write it in TypeScript. And if you're if when you're in control of hundred percent of the types, the definitions, all the mm. code, I think it's great. And it, it gives a really nice experience. And I have written a bunch of stuff in that form. But for me it breaks down where you have to pull in like React and then Apollo and then combine some other third party React component that doesn't have proper types with it. So you have to define them. And you get into this kind of rabbit hole of, of either trying to figure out the types or just hacking the compiler to accept the types, yeah. uh, which wasn't really that enjoyable. And yeah, I think also in, in sort of when, you know, we're working on this thing in, for a, a day every few months, we don't really have time to spend half that day messing with TypeScript. I'd rather like get some actual kind of stuff done. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, so, I mean, it, that's it's so tricky. I mean, I'm I'm not wise about TypeScript at all. I should I should talk to one of my colleagues, um, Swix Sean Sean Swix Wang, um, who is 
very much uh, a TypeScript fan and has been all in on that. I don't know um, how large an application he's worked on and may have encountered this, um, but I, I'm sure he he's the kind of person I'm certain would have opinions on this. Uh, but th it's interesting hearing you um, kind of talk about uh, how it it's gobbled up a certain amount of your time and it just feels like you're 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 going slower. I I can't help kind of hearing echoes of people doing TDD for the first time as well. Um, you know, where I know certainly when mm. uh, I've worked on projects where we've wanted to introduce test-driven development and not everyone on the team has been comfortable with it, it feels like you just go so much slower to start with and then it's like, oh, well, we've got to do this as well, uh, and writing tests first and all that stuff. But then after people get really kind of familiar with it and used to the, the approach, then they just can't imagine writing things without it and it makes them go much faster and what have you. So I don't know. I'm, I'm hope, my hope is that uh, that isn't an actual problem with uh, with using TypeScript, but it's it's something that many people might bump their head into and and there is some magical solution. It would be lovely to so if, if we just found out, oh, well, this is how you approach it and that was solved. But that does sound like a, a slightly tricky tricky thing to work around. I'm... I, I can imagine the head scratching that happened during the week. Yeah, there was some head scratching. I definitely am willing to admit I'm I'm not the most experienced TypeScript person, so I may be making obvious errors um, for, for sure. I think it is known as well, the TypeScript compiler, its errors are generally good, but I think when you get in sort of nested errors, yeah, they, they start to get harder to understand and, and the error messages get very long and verbose. So I think the TypeScript compiler can improve in that sense. I... I I'm sure I have some learning and improving to do as as well. Um, but the, the upside is I, I wrote a cool little script to strip TypeScript from a project, which took surprisingly little time. So that was quite fun. So I might publish that up and, and put that on the internet in case anyone else is doing the same Ooh, thing. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm instantly worried for you. <laughs> the yeah, point of, that could hey, be let controversial. Me, let, me, let me tweet out this script that strips TypeScript out of your, uh, out of your code. The... I, you'll, I think you might get some correspondence over that. But that's a, whether it's useful or not, I mean, I, I'm going to yeah, call it. It sounds, it sounds like a useful <laughs> thing, you know. If people need it, you know, that's, that could be a useful. It's going to be called but... type type strip. Oh, pun driven development once again. Yep, I love yep. it. Uh, I love it. Nice. Sh sh should we move on? <laughs> should, let, let, do let's. let's. Should we move on to our catch of the day? Yes, yes, let's. So our catch of the day today is sort of a question I have for you. We'd love to hear your experiences and something mm. I've been thinking about as well. Uh, so we recently at work have hired people and those people are starting in the, the near future. And it just got me thinking a bit about how best you onboard an engineer into a, an engineering team. So we're, our engineering team is maybe 15 people now. Mm -hmm. So not huge, but also not, not tiny. Mm -hmm. um, and sort of all the things you do to sort of get them set up for success and sort of for me find the balance of you want to give them projects to work on so they sort of have stuff to get stuck into but also you kind of want to give them like a bit of time to themselves just to sort of set up their computer and get familiar and actually you know what their first project if that takes like a week longer because they're still getting up to speed and learning and figuring out your company and the code base and blah 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 like that's absolutely fine and yeah. so sort of how do you balance all that stuff and, th and then going further how do you get them you know you probably don't want to ask them for code review on day one but at some point you do need to do that, even though you know they probably might take a bit longer again because they're settling and they might need yeah. a bit more help. So like finding that balance of kind of giving them help whilst also giving them space to just sort of settle in themselves is kind of interesting and sort of, I don't know, like what your experiences of, of bringing people onto teams or being the, the new person on a team? 
Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's uh, this is definitely um, a, a tricky one, and I think depends a lot on the kind of environment you're working in. So I think the uh, the way that I've seen this work well at like in an agency environment, it's quite different to in a product environment and what have you. But one of the things that I've I've always really liked where it's possible is to have a philosophy of on your first day you deploy something. Um, now that isn't always possible. Um, but but certainly I've seen that be very successful in lots of different places where um, having the feeling of oh I can I've got a process from end to end that allows me to to be effective on day one is just incredibly rewarding and that's not to say you need to build a feature day day one but it might it might be you know a one line change or just just being able to walk that path to deployment um, that's such a that's such a valuable thing and it's just nice to leave after your first day of thinking okay well i know how to get code out into the into the world um yeah so uh, i i've i've seen um in a few different places a lot of focus on that and and trying to maintain a well documented uh, and well a, a process with lots of rigor around bootstrapping your development environment knowing what the path to production is uh, being able to walk through um picking up a ticket from the issue tracker so you know where the issue trackers are, trackers are and what are the conventions of using it um making a pull request uh and you know and also identifying what is a good starter issue as well which i know is also mm -hmm. a good thing that uh, lots of good open source projects have um you know issue trackers that have got very clearly labeled good first issues um having having that even you know in any environment i think is is useful because there's you're often cycling people into into teams um so being able to walk through that find an issue uh, understand how to address it even if it's the tiniest thing whether it's a, a typo or a like a tiny change in in either the css or tiny logical change something very very small um being able to make a pull request understand the process of getting that pull request like reviewed and merged and then actually getting something deployed there's a lot in just making a one character yeah. change go live right so um having a having a process which is defined enough and communicated enough so that people arrive can do that is incredibly empowering for that person arriving but it's also just really good rigor for the team itself and to yeah. to maintaining a process that um is efficient so that's that's the that's the first thing that always comes to mind when someone talks about uh, onboarding and what's a, what's a good thing. Obviously, there's a, there's a lot more as well. I mean, is is that realistic in the kind of environment that you're in to be able to get for someone to arrive and to be able to to get something deployed? Because I know that you know not every environment is going to be realistic for that. Yeah, I think so. We aim to do the same thing. Uh, mm. We have a sort of standard first day thing, which is there's I think there's an about page on on Thread that lists everyone's names. Uh, it just says sort of thread is made by and here's a list of all the names. So the, the first day task is always add your name to that. And you said, it's a very menial change. It's a very straightforward change. There's no logic or, you know, you don't have to write tests or anything, um, but yeah. that just sort of gets stuff live on day one, which, yeah. which is, um, I, I agree is very important. The challenge for us that we found as well, kind of moving away from just the tech point of view is balancing uh, sort of technical onboarding time at your desk to set your laptop up, do your first deploy, Etc. Alongside, you know, company onboarding sessions, like you've got a one-on-one -on -one with uh, the CEO, you've got a one-on-one -on -one with the CTO, you've got a one-on-one -on -one with your manager, you've got uh, go for a coffee with a few of the people you're going to be working closely with. 
Uh, you've got a session on introduction to this at, at Thread. Yep. You've got a session with the finance people on getting you set up on payroll, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Uh, all that all that sort of admin as well and, and yep. onboarding from a company point of view and, and balancing that alongside the fact that actually, yeah, in your first week, you do want to sit down, you want to get your new laptop, you want to put your favorite code editor on it, you want to get the site running on your laptop, you want to make that change. And sort of how much do you prioritize one over the other in, in week one is is really hard. Mm. Um, and we, we've had people start and give feedback that they felt like in their first week, they were barely actually sat at their desk. Yeah. Because we sort of packed it full of various sessions or like, you're not at your desk, you're going to go pair with Jack on this feature or, or right. whatever. And a lot of people said, like, actually, I just want to sit at my desk for a couple of hours and just kind of have some time to myself to to get the lay of the land. So we, we now sort of spread those sessions out over a longer period of time. Yeah, building in a bit of oxygen so that people can, because mm. it's it's such a like a fire hose of information when you join a new team. Yeah, and and I know the, that we um, we organise lots of like different pairing sessions throughout the first week as well, um, and that's not just like code pairing. I mean, we we, we talk about pairing as like kind of one to ones as well. So you might just it, that might be um, just being introduced to how this system works, how that process press works. Um, what the different teams do but we do kind of set up exactly like you're talking about you know lots of onboarding sessions as well um but yeah having having the breathing space between those sessions is is really important i don't know how well we do actually where i am at providing that that's uh headspace between the sessions i know that it is it can feel like oh god it's just meetings after meetings after meetings and so i think some people also um uh, take the initiative to say oh, I want to meet as many people as possible and mm. I'll set up and are encouraged to do that and like oh yeah you should you should definitely talk to all of these people and they'll end up uh, filling their calendar in their first week with just like back-to-back kind of one-to-one meetings and uh, that's that's a bit relentless so, uh, so getting that yeah. balance setting that expectation and getting that balance uh, right is is also uh, really important but yeah being learning what the key meetings are throughout the week because I think most places have a bit of a structure to, you know, week by week or fortnight by fortnight um, to, you know, set the set the cadence for each sprint and those kind of things. So I love having somebody be a participant in sprint planning and sprint delivery as quickly as possible, just just to observe how it's run as well and to give confidence that, oh, there's process here and here are the, here are the people who lead the process and, and this is how to contribute. All that stuff is is so important and the sooner you get to it the, the the happier you are i think yeah you definitely want to have people sort of integrated into the the team or the we call them pods like the small product teams right. we work in yeah uh, as quickly as possible i think um which normally works well most people start work on a monday and that's when we monday morning is sort of planning and and stuff so that tends to work quite well for, for us yeah um and then you have your our weekly meetings actually on a monday as well uh at midday i think so it tends to work quite well yeah um but yeah that that balance of sort of okay go and sit at your desk and work with your team and get set up versus okay but your your manager wants to have a one-on-one to sort of mm-hmm. welcome you and go for a coffee and, and so on is, is a hard thing and then you know i think some probably everyone's different here some people probably love to come in and meet as many people as possible in their first week and really go for that i expect other people want to like my preference is always on my first or second day I'd love a couple of hours at my desk just to get everything up and running I, I, for me I'm a bit anxious until I've got yeah my local environment properly configured so totally. until then I can't really do work 
Um, uh, yeah, I, I've I've sometimes felt um, almost a little bit guilty about having to spend that time doing it because it feels like oh well I'm mm. not being productive because I've got to do all of this kind of administrivia to get all my environment set up and my you know I'm on a brand new machine it's like moving moving into a new home and yeah you, and you need it takes a while to get a bunch of things set up and configured the way you want it and I think it's important to give people to make that a priority and say okay you know you. This is this is your time to be able to be doing that, when, and just kind of acknowledging that that takes time, so people don't think, oh, I've got I've got to be doing a a productive thing right away, and that before I can do that, I've got I've got all these cogs to turn and all these things to put in place. I think making sure people are aware that oh yeah, you'll you'll be spending half a day setting up your environment, of course, um, you know, yeah. or, or whatever it is. Um, I think that's I think that's really important. We also do something. Um, at Netlify, which is kind of goes beyond the dev team as well, so, because since we're building, you know, a product which is for for developers to to publish code, um, we also we like the fact that people in other teams uh, have a taste of that, even if they're not developers. Um, so we have like a really like noddy um, uh, single page website uh, where people just list their pets and they show their pets hmm. and we kind of encourage people who've joined uh, you know the marketing team or the finance team or the 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 sales team or what have you um oh yeah here's here's a link to a git repository uh make a pull request and add your pet to this uh and <laughs> so so we've got this page uh, petsof.netify.com uh which is uh, it's just a list of a bunch of people's pets and it's it's really nice because it means that in the same way of as it's walking the path to production it's it's you know this isn't part of our production uh, uh this isn't part of our product uh, <laughs> uh, but it does give people a taste of using the product from start to finish uh and so, oh i'll i understand how to get a get a, an update onto a site and get some code deployed that's kind of nice so um being mm. able to taste whatever it is the thing you're making if you're working at a product company i think that's a nice uh, a nice little um uh, approach as well yeah i like that a lot that's really also cool. there's a picture of my cat on here now so i mean the world needs to oh see well there that. you go yeah cats i should say oh dear no normally i'm very lucky i get to see your cat during a recording yeah not, uh, not so today walking across your desk often walks in front of your face mid-record yeah, yeah but not exactly. today he, he or she i've sorry forgotten your cat's name no, they're um, both she's they're both she's there's angel and there's polly um hello to you both if you're listening they're not they couldn't give a monkeys <laughs> couldn't give a toss oh these are the cats that you you have a a fleet of webcams in which to um <laughs> watch your cat's every move right that that's those cats i don't do that because that would make me a psychopath however i i do i do know how did i tell you that i have a smart cat flap now did i tell you that i think you tweeted it yeah you tweeted it and, i mean I'm, um, I'm trying to tell the world because this stuff's important yeah. but uh yeah uh, i actually love i love it this i know no, so we're this is a slight this is a tiny tangent from onboarding people into development teams, but I think it's probably, if anything, more important. Um, and that is that you know, while, so while I'm away uh, or just you know during the day, I, I like to be able to get notifications that um, the vet, you know the cats have arrived or departed through the through the back door. Um, and it's you know, it, 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 I have an Apple Watch, so I get I get a notification that Polly has arrived through the back door. Hello, Polly. Um, but the the most beautiful part of this is, of course, that the cats both have multiple nicknames. Um, we don't really call them by their real names because, um, you know, that's what pets are for. 
so uh, my wife and I both uh, periodically change their names in the in the application. And so while I'm away, all of a sudden there's a new bizarre and ridiculous name for the cats coming and going that puts a smile on my face. Uh, <laughs> and I should really be hooking that up to a Twitter feed so that people can all see the comings and goings and the and the changing names of our cats. Is that a good idea, do you think? Okay, yeah. your, your, pause, your pause was long you enough. You do you, Phil. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think this is the kind of thing the world needs to know, but I've, I've been wrong before. <laughs> yeah maybe we'll have a segment in the podcast what what are your cats called on the app today oh that's genius okay yeah and we'll leave it to what? the end so that people will obviously you know hang around have for that. to listen it'll be yeah. the, it'll be the, the the thing that we're it's the crescendo that we build up to <laughs> yeah uh, great great plan they'll realize oh polly polly is no longer being referred to as polly she's now mrs miggins for some reason why is that it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i'm 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 giving you far far more insight into my into my my life than i'd intended uh, i i wouldn't mind you know if we moved on to the highlights reel or indeed anything uh, any literally anything else literally, anything else literally anything else so Let's come on what's in, your, um, what's in your highlights reel this time uh i have a, a highlight this week from the chrome dev summit so the chrome oh. dev summit happened yeah. well to be fair, by the time people are listening to this podcast, the Chrome Dev Summit happened a while ago. ago. Yeah, 18, months, 18 ago. months ago, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Tim Berners-Lee announced the internet there. <laughs> um, but no, so this was the uh, Chrome Dev Summit, just for clarity, in 2019. Uh, <laughs> I'm not reaching back into the annals of time. Uh, and I actually, I didn't go. I, I watched a bunch of talks on YouTube. I've seen a bunch of stuff on Twitter about it. Right. Uh, I just pulled out one particular talk and because that's the one I've watched fully, but there's a few others on my list mm -hmm. to, to watch. Uh, and it was Surma's talk on, on web workers, which I found really, really interesting. Uh, and just really, you know, he talked a lot about the benefits of pushing work off the sort of main thread in the browser and into, into a worker. Mm -hmm. And it just struck me as really interesting that because we, we have this technology in browsers, the, the support for them is pretty good. They're not sort of this completely new thing that only Chrome supports or anything. Uh, but we just never really use them. And I, I got kind of thinking about sort of the cultural reasons why that is and it's something that I've sort of not thought about before and something I think we should be bearing in mind sort of as, a, as we're building stuff like, oh, let's let's try dumping this stuff off onto the um, onto the worker. So uh, he then shared a couple of really good plugins. So there's a Webpack plugin, I think that someone else wrote, whose name I've forgotten, I'm really sorry, and mm -hmm. Surma has written a roll-up plugin. Uh, and Parcel, the other sort of popular bundler, supports it out of the box. Yep. Uh, and so I, it's sort of on my list to next time I'm writing some front-end side projecty thing to just try it and, and see what happens because uh, it seems like a really interesting way of doing things and sort of freeing up the, the UI thread or the main thread for for actual visual work. And he gave this really compelling example of, of a game him and, him and Jake, I think, made where one 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 sort of version of the game does all the work on the the main thread and you can see it works but it's a bit it's a bit janky it doesn't sort of re-render cleanly and then one where it's is that same code but a bunch of it has been pushed off into a worker and the browser can do a much better job of making the site look and feel more responsive because the other sort of long-running work has been shoved off onto right. another thread yep. uh, and what was interesting is actually the the actual time it took for the browser to kind of fully re-render was a little bit longer 
when you used a worker because you have the overhead of sort of communicating to and from this this web worker however although despite it being actually longer in seconds it felt much quicker because yeah. it was less janky and much smoother so really another really good example of kind of the user's perceived speed and performance sometimes and maybe quite often actually is much more important than the actual time in in seconds so i just really recommend it he's also a very good speaker uh so that the talk is very easy to watch it's very engaging uh and really enjoyed that and was sort of something i'd like to try on a project soon yeah i mean we shouldn't give him too much praise because uh you know he he might get a bit beheaded about that but uh but yeah i haven't i haven't uh, i haven't seen uh any of the videos uh yet um because i've I just haven't had the opportunity, but that's definitely one that I've heard a few people mention um, around on Twitter. People have been talking about that, and and uh, yeah, again, talking about things like roll up. Um, that seems that seems to be becoming a very popular mm. uh, tool. Um, I know that you know people are kind of st- like struggle a little bit with Webpack. I know I do. I'll be very honest. I find it a <laughs> little bit um, difficult to. I find it a bit impenetrable at times. Um, yeah. I'm sure I'll I'll be uh, receiving the wrath of the internet for saying that. <laughs> but uh, but that was whatever. It's my turn. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, rollup seems to be getting very very popular. I know that uh, that team have have used it on a on a bunch of projects. Mm. Um, I think I think they use it on uh, the actual Chrome Dev Summit uh, site itself as well for building that. Uh, as well yeah, as for some, some of their their, their um, kind of games and things that they built as as case studies and the, the kind of thing that you're talking about, so I feel like it's another thing that I really need to level up on and start using, especially since you know, yeah, pre pre generation and like static site generators and kind of all of those things. That's kind of my that's that's my bag, uh, and so <laughs> having a tool that's part of part of that kind of toolbox, that, it feels like something I I ought to know better about. So. Um, it, yeah, I'm yeah no, a me bit too. Of time in that. Have we? Sorry, before I let you tell us about your highlights, have we talked mm. about the? Uh, I'm going to keep mentioning them. They're really annoying. Jake and Sermon did a talk at. Oh, it was at Jamconf, right? About about using Rollup. Yeah, so have yeah, we talked they, about they that. Talked about I think we might have procs. Um, you know, yes. they're, they're, they're kind of their their shameless Minesweeper clone. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah. they'll be getting phone calls about. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So they they used it on that, uh, and so they yeah. did a, a good breakdown of. How they used it, why they used it, some of the you know optimizations they got through it, and like they they dig into the details of that. But yeah, you're right. Thank thank you, Jack, for uh, for mentioning Jamstack Conf. I was worried that I wasn't going to get a chance to to mention that today. So bless you. I had forgotten that was the venue for at which they did that talk. Uh, but what I, I was going to say is that that was the talk that really got me excited about roll up and so they made a lot of really interesting comparisons like webpack is great I'm, I'm a fan but it can be impenetrable and hard to sort of add your own custom behaviors to it and sort of gave the counter example of roll up where everything's a plug-in it's very accessible and easy to write plugins and that was a very compelling way to to sort of compare the two i think so i'd recommend we'll link to that talk as well in the show notes i feel like i've mentioned that before in a podcast i'm sorry if i'm repeating myself i think it bears we'll link, we'll link to that stuff. as well yeah it's yeah. a really really good talk really interesting intro into to roll up uh, so we'll link to that, but but you've been off uh, getting stuck into View. Well, recently. kind of. I'm. I feel like a bit of a charlatan, really. Um, so I I uh, <laughs> got the opportunity to MC um, a conference, a View conference. So ViewConf Toronto. Um, I just got back from from MCing that, but I'm not a View developer. Uh, so 
that's a risky game, isn't it? Uh, uh, <laughs> MCing that event. Luckily, you know, people at conferences aren't there to hear from the MC. They're he- there to hear from the speakers. So, you know, as long as I got people's names correct and introduced them in the right order, I was I was going in the right direction. Um, but I I kind of wanted to mention it just because um, I've been around a couple of view conferences now, and I I just really get a fabulous um, sense of the view community um i think it's a really interesting community and a very welcoming and um knowledgeable kind of receptive community and that was born out again at this conference um one of the things that i did that i was really nervous about i'll be honest um is the format for the the conference which is a two-day conference the second day finished with uh, a panel discussion with the view core team or, or part of the view core team so i think there were, there were five members of the the view core team um, including Evan Yu, who's like the the um, original creator of, of View, um, and I was leading the panel discussion. Uh, so that's climbing without ropes, if ever I've if ever <laughs> I've heard it. Uh, but thankfully, you know, the 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 idea was that we'd take questions from the audience and what have you. So we were taking questions over Slack, and I was kind of proxying those to people. But you know, I'm not as familiar with who's the right person to ask what question on the panel, and you know what what's a good question to ask versus, well, I don't know, Philip's reading words out. So I was a little bit nervous about that, but it was really, it, I actually found it really interesting because the the questions that came in were, were very well considered uh, and the responses were great as well. Um, and there are a few things that particularly stood out to me. One of them was, um, you know, there was a question about, um, given that some of the other kind of leading libraries frameworks are maybe backed by a large company you know like angular is backed by google mm-hmm. react backed by facebook what have you um view is completely independent so it's a little bit different but it's really gaining in popularity so there's a question about are is a big company coming knocking wanting to become like the lead sponsor and then kind of muscle in a little bit and if so how would that happen and i was i was really kind of encouraged by the answer that was from evan talking about well there are people who want to support us, but there's no big company that's coming in trying to, to swoop in, so put your minds at rest there. But he was also just kind of saying, we're really not interested in that because the community drives this along so well, and the fact that the community does that and we're able to stay independent means that we can we, we serve the needs of a, of a broad kind of set of users rather than potentially you know the being steered by the needs of a particular company. I'm not suggesting that that happens strongly in any other library uh, per se, but you're, there's always a consideration, isn't there, when you adopt a framework or a library that's like, oh, this is this belongs to so-and-so, if they make a policy change about something like, well, this is how the license is going to change, for example, you know, plucking something out of the air, um, <laughs> there are implications for that. Um, so I was really encouraged by the just how how thoughtful um the whole community is but also the core team and how how they work so that that was a highlight for me i re- i really uh, enjoyed that and so enjoyed seeing how they dealt with taking contributions contributions from the community and and all of those things so it was it was a lot of fun it was great that sounds like really cool i i obviously you've spoken to me elsewhere about view and and the mm. community and and for, again i'm very much an outsider i've dabbled with view but i don't don't use it not not because i don't like it just don't use it yeah uh, and it does always seem like a very friendly welcoming uh, place i think there is there is definitely interesting discussion maybe another time on the sort of big corps owning a framework versus yeah. a sort of community behind it i think there's interesting pros and cons to, to either but i think yeah. view all right obviously view doesn't have like a facebook behind it but right 
presumably I think they get enough donations and, and sponsorship that sort of Evan and maybe others are able to dedicate a good chunk if not full time yeah. work on it which is great that's yeah that's right yeah exactly. I think it's it's become kind of self-sustaining now but uh but yeah it's, it's diverse rather than having one particular oh this this is our thing um so yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's kind of interesting to seeing how seeing how see how that's uh blossoming um I have one other highlight as well which is which is uh, very brief um so one of so one of my colleagues uh Divya Sasadaran is she's at the moment giving a, a you know, as we speak I think giving a, a talk over in Amsterdam at web uh web perf oh crap what's the event called I was going to call it is it is it performance now or web oh performance now performance now that's the that's the event uh, there's so many conferences that have some of those words in them um I I kind of Every now and again, I'll see a demo that Divya puts together, and she's really good at kind of taking a concept and then illustrating it with some example site that she's put together. And she always seems to kind of localize that to the environment that she goes to. And she showed me this site, and I don't feel it's a spoiler now because by the time this comes out, it's out in out in the wild. But she put this site together that she's using as an example, uh, bearing in mind this is happening in Amsterdam. And it was there's this huge illustration of some fruit with some sauce on the top, and it's the title can't dutch this and i'm like oh top pun game if ever there's a podcast that would would, would uh, acknowledge the pun skills of others uh, it should be this one uh, so i just wanted to call it out because whenever i see one of divya's uh, examples i'm like top work yeah that's great and hopefully by the time this this if the talk is literally now we should be able to link to that when when this i believe so the internet so yeah i i we will, believe we will do so, so. For the puns, if if and I'm sure the content is is excellent and matches the level of puns. But yeah, yeah. I like the idea that we can become known as a conf- as a conference as a podcast that that acknowledges good puns. Yeah, uh, we don't necessarily produce them ourselves, but we acknowledge others. It's and good we to try our hardest. Yeah, it's good to curate and acknowledge the excellent work of others in the pun arena. Uh, yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Great. I think that rounds up our highlights. It rounds up our highlights. Maybe it rounds up the show. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think it does. I'm on the hook for. Oh, there we go. There's another. Uh, I'm on the hook uh, for um, creating the game. Uh, one of these days. Uh, it's not today. It's not today. It'll be the next one. I'll, I'll promise. I'll have a game for the next one, Jack. Do you, okay, do you feel a bit excellent. unloved? Yeah, I, I just think that I put in a lot of effort into to confirming your British citizen. Um, that I mean, that is reaching back now. At this point, that's about yeah. seven years ago that we did that. So, in fairness, when you say when you say you put a lot of effort into um, <laughs> uh, validating <laughs> that, you actually would put a lot of effort into trying to uh, show me up. Really? I mean, yeah, I, I may have had other motives, and and also when you say a lot of effort, really, I googled and clicked <laughs> a few links until I found a quiz that I thought was was apt. Uh, yeah. That really is the dedication I have to to this podcast. Yeah, this will um, show Phil up for being an idiot. You thought, as you saw uh, a list of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is almost exactly how it how it um, happened. But anyway, just before we go, I had one other question for you. Okay, um, are your cats inside or outside at the moment? Oh, that's just a, wondering. Hang on, hang on. Well, and so, and what names are there on the app right now? So, oh, if dear. you want to tell us that, I, okay, I will. Um, so, uh, so they're both inside. Um, so, Angel has been inside for two hours, uh, and Polly has also been inside for two hours because you know there, it was it was breakfast time earlier on. Um, but their names currently, uh, and I offer this without a trace 
of uh, explanation. Uh, so, so Polly is currently the friendliest cat in the neighbourhood, uh, which is a pseudo Irish accent that I won't explain. Uh, and uh, and Angel is that shiny tagine off MasterChef. Um, so those are the cats' names currently. Uh, if you want to know their latest names, you're going to have to tune in again for episodes, uh, well, nine uh, for, and through till the end of time. Uh, so it's good that you've introduced another segment to the to the show. Uh, Actually, yeah, we didn't have enough segments, and we don't often run over our time allowance. So I just yeah. thought I'd add more in. Yeah, yeah. cats. Uh, yeah. Phil's cats' names currently. Uh, just adding that. Yeah. To the, to the great, to the list. great, good work. Perfect. Cool. Well, do you th- do you think then that we? What's that I hear? Is that is that the sound of the fish and scripts music subtly? Fading in in the back. There it is. There it comes. Oh, the magic of editing. This will this will make this all wonderful. Uh, so yeah, I think we can we can wrap things up there. And I'm looking forward to hearing how how your uh, your outro will go. Let's let's hear what happens there. That is that. Thank you very much for listening to Fish and Scripts, episode number eight. Thank you very much, Phil, for taking the time to chat with me this morning. Well, thank you. It's what, a, what a treat it is uh, every time. I'm glad we got. I'm glad we got important things in this time. Uh, particularly, uh, I mean, if, if this was just a podcast about my cat's names, I think I think we'd be in good shape still. So I'm glad we managed to shoehorn that in. Yes, yes, and we look forward to finding out what your cats are named in in two weeks' time. Uh, we all as always link to all the things we talked about all the talks all the podcasts uh, anything we've mentioned will be in the show notes which you can find at fishandscripts.com you should be able to subscribe in all your favourite podcast apps and you can get us on the twitterings as at fish uh, and scripts we'll be back in two weeks time again with another episode in your ears Phil has promised a game next time to put me through my paces I promise promise we'll see how that goes and we'll let you know when phil's cats have their own twitter feed it it can't be long now so so thank you very much phil thank you listeners and we will see you next time okay bye-bye okay well the uh, the gauntlet is is thrown now for uh, yeah. your, your outro don't don't fuck it up <laughs> so that is that thank you very much to listening to listening for f- sake all right oh, start he's, again he's Excellent. totally bothered you're, you're my <laughs> we can put that in